Let's get the party started. Okay, we have a very special guest who's a candidate for Clark County Sheriff, Mr. Stan Height. Thank you for joining us on the Conservatively Shannon Show. How Hello, are you? Sharon. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, and so who's Stan Height and why are you running for sheriff? I'm running for sheriff because of my conservative values, my uh, love for the Constitution, and my fear of the government, basically. I am a 30-year veteran of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, and I was happily retired, enjoying my retirement, when uh, the previous election took place. And since then, I've seen our government grow, and I've seen our rights shrink. And literally, I've become afraid of our government. I think... They're going to use our police to enforce things that that uh, are not necessarily constitutional. Exactly. Like we see so men. much of that. Yes. Uh, and it's sort of scary. You know, it's, it's very scary, scary. Because it's not America. No. Um, and so that's a noble reason for you wanting to become the sheriff. We need people who are committed to protecting and serving. And I thank you for the, the service that you have done for the community for over 30 years. Well, That's you. amazing. Absolutely. Now, we've seen a sense of lawless, lawlessness in major cities across the country with the soft on crime and defund the police call from the left and progressive candidates. But... You know, you have the soft on crime on some things, but then when it comes to our constitutional rights, no it's sort of, yeah, it's like the opposite. What What are some of your thoughts about the approach to managing law enforcement? Well, actually, what I'm seeing is it's managing government more than managing law enforcement. Law enforcement is a tool of government. And look at Canada, look at Australia. These countries were similar to the United States and their values just... A very short time ago now, police are taking gasoline away from these truckers that are just trying to peacefully demonstrate. They're taking away their food. They're even invading their bank accounts. They're invading their bank accounts. That's amazing. As yeah. punishment for wanting to speak up. I mean, what kind of a country is it when you can't speak up? There's your first right right there that they're trying to take away. You look at the shots, the, the vaccine. To discuss the vaccine in a negative way is considered misinformation and dangerous speech. I mean, since when are we not allowed to have debate on a topic, especially a topic as serious as a vaccine where I'm seeing people crippled and killed and literally dying from the, the vaccine more so than I'm seeing from COVID. Yeah, and since when did the government have the right to coerce people with what to put inside their own body? When did the government become doctors? Yeah. You know, and exactly. I mean, they're saying you don't need a uh, ID to vote, but you need an ID to go eat in a restaurant. You need the ID to get on an airplane and, and, and go to another state. I mean, it, it's it's a very hypocritical stance when, when they take the position that we don't care who votes for us, but we do care that you get the shot. And, and COVID is... It, could have been gone a long time ago. The vaccine is actually uh, continuing the COVID, in my opinion. Well, I noticed a lot of variants burst out on the scene when they started. Due to the, due to uh, the vaccine. Putting if the there vaccine was no vaccine, out. there wouldn't be those variants. Um, but what 
puzzles me about that is uh, why there isn't more concern about how this virus was released from the lab. It's almost like the gain of function research to me um, seems like it's a bioweapon. And yeah. it was released. And, and I'm totally on board with you because uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I don't have that information. Um, to me, it seems like it was a purposeful event. I mean, it, yeah, it appears it's, to be. It's enough to make you just ask those questions. Exactly. So we, we, we of course, we're, any intelligent person is going to ask questions, and these are questions that just wasn't answered. You know, okay. and just on that topic real quick, um, why are they not allowing hydroxychloroquine? Why are they not allowing iver ivermectin? When these are treatments that can be um, uh, prohibitive to the COVID vaccine, uh, to the COVID virus, and, and yet they won't even address it. They want you to take things like remdesivir, which has a 53% mortality rate. 53% mm. of the people take it die. Oh, and, wow. and, and the other two drugs are totally innocent. You look at commercials on TV all the time. That, uh, that advocate for a, a psoriasis or this and that, and half the commercial is telling you the dangerous side effects of it. But yet hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin have no dangerous side effects, but they won't even allow you to, to debate about it. And that's the part that's scary. The government is telling you, you cannot go here, but you have to go here. And that to me is very scary. And they're gonna use the police to enforce it. And that's why I got off my couch of retirement and decided to get in this in this constitutional um, protection of our community. You know, we do need strong leaders in law enforcement because you're, you are committed to protecting the public. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's very important, your commitment to that. And you know what? That commitment extends to Democrat agenda, independent agenda, Republican agenda. Conservative, liberal, it doesn't matter. If you're a Clark County resident, we're committed to protecting you and serving you and making sure that your constitution is not violated. That's great. We need more people like you running. <laughs> so we'll see how things shape up with, uh, with all of the other uh, election uh, and candidates as time goes on. Now, crime has drastically increased in Clark County in schools, homes, the streets. Just about everywhere. So a lot of people aren't feeling as safe as they did maybe two, three, four years ago. What, what can you do to assure voters that you will run the sheriff's department in a way that will make them feel safer? Well, first off, because of the, the, the vaccine mandates that were imposed on new hires, we weren't getting enough people in our academies to refill our ranks. And because of the mass mandates, because of the defund the police um, agendas and, and basically uh, the police reforms, we're losing a lot of police officers at the upper end. We're losing a lot of mature police officers that have learned their job, that have matured and be become good, solid police officers. We're losing them because they don't want to be police officers anymore. Wow. And the media is responsible for a lot of this. The media is portraying negativity in our police department. They're only highlighting negative events. Sure, police departments have their problems, and absolutely they need to be transparent about them and expose them to the community. But when it's only that, and they don't focus on any of the positive, which is probably 99 or 98% to 2% of the negative, the positive is 98% 98, 98 compared to the 2% negative, um, 
of course, police officers want to stay in their shell. They don't want to come out. They don't want to be exposed to all the, the phone videography that takes place when they're handling a conflict-type situation. So because of that, we don't, have the, uh, we don't have the numbers of police officers we need. We're down. We need to get uh, police recruitment back up to, to acceptable levels. So that's why we're unsafe. And then we have DAs not prosecuting uh, crimes because of political agendas. We don't, we're not prosecuting illegals. And the illegals that are coming across, a major portion of them are criminals. They're committing crimes, and they're just letting them out the back door. Yeah, that's amazing that law enforcement is told to turn a blind eye on some things and then told to do things that's unconstitutional. So yeah, it seems yeah. like a lot of confusion yeah. right now. Uh, you served as in law enforcement for 30 years, so you obviously had a passion for the job. Absolutely. I loved it. I had loved my whole career. What can you do to inspire that passion in new recruits and people well, to want to join the force? First off, get those new recruits, you know, take away the mandates so that they can hire on without fear of, of being harmed by, by the mandates, by the vaccine. Um, and, and hire good, mature adults, train them well. We need to get the training up to par. We need to expose them to diversity. We have a, a very diverse community. We're, we're, our Clark County is filled with, with Asian, with black, with white, with uh, Filipino. We've got Native American. Um, there's, you know, we need to address all cultures and, and be, be familiar with them, be mature about things. Just because uh, we're different doesn't mean we're not the same as well. So we need to get that training going. We need to get our ranks up to speed and basically just go from there. Yeah, and just bring the respect back to the profession yes. that the media yes. for their own ratings and profit we need to has pro taken away from the dignity of being in law enforcement. Exactly. We need to propagandize the good and deal with the negative. When we have negative elements, we will expel them immediately, of course, because police work needs to be supervised, needs to be watched. Um, but we need to also have the backs of our officers just because they're accused of something doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Just because the media portrays it a certain way doesn't mean it's that way. The supervision, the upper, the sheriff on down needs to support their troops. Of course, not when they're not when they screw up. We need to, but you know, we do believe in so second chances. So, how would you handle a situation like that if there's a controversy? Would you, when you're asked to do those press conferences, would you just say, please, let's. Not rush to judge. Let's get all the evidence. First because off, a lot of times, as soon as the media puts something out there, mm -hmm. there's that marching and before exactly. all the evidence comes out. And how would you handle that just to let people know that you... First off, we need a very transparent sheriff, okay? One that isn't asked to come out and explain things, but is forthright and immediately comes out and explains things. I don't need to be asked by the press what happened. I need to come out and explain it before it even is portrayed in a certain light. I, I, I liked Trump's uh, method of dealing with things. He came out of the White House and there was press off to the left when he's going to the right, and he would step to the left to uh, address any concerns that they had. He was very transparent. He was willing to answer any questions at any time. That's the kind of administration I'm gonna have. It's gonna be very transparent. When there's something, when an event takes place, and it's say, let's say we're at fault at something, I'm going to come out and say, yes, we messed up here. We own it. 
This is what we're going to do to fix it. This is what we're going to do to try to prevent it from the future. And when we do good, I want to get out there as well and say, look what we did. Look at how we helped somebody. Look at whose life we saved just because this officer went over and above. And it just it's just a matter of having the officers back. Mm-hmm. And it's also important to highlight those officers that do go above and beyond. Oh, and they do it every day. Yeah, and you never hear do. about it. Yeah. Now, the sheriff department serves warrants such as in, in protection orders, writs of possessions. Warrants uh, are, is an issue that people have been concerned with. Um, warrants such as the no-knock warrants, the bench warrants. How can you assure voters that the sheriff's department will properly serve these warrants on the right person and avoid any mix-ups or misidentifications? That's proper supervision. That's uh, getting a mature uh, police force, not an inexperienced police force. Right now, 75% of our police force has less than five years on the police department. And it takes five years to become good at your job. So we're, we've got a very immature, inexperienced police department. They're good men. They're good women. But they're, they're just inexperienced. They, have, they don't have life experience yet. And so we need to get them trained properly. And that means good supervision as well. We need to promote the right people that are dedicated to the details. And, and you know, the no-knock warrants and the warrants, the bench warrants that you're talking about, those are issued by a judge. So we're commanded to make those uh, arrests. We're commanded to go to those places to make those arrests. The no-knock warrants, I can understand the community's concern because we have made mistakes. We've gone to the wrong addresses and we've scared the tenants and... You know, consequences have taken place that are unfortunate, very even tragic. Yeah. So it's it's but but who's at who's at fault of that? I know if you get a bench warrant, you're going to execute what's there. It's not it's not for you to say, well, this is the wrong address. You're just going to execute what's there. So are you going to make sure? that that is the correct information? It's up, it's up to us to make sure that we have the right address and we have the right people. Mm-hmm. We have tools to do that. Unfortunately, sometimes either mistakes are made or they're not even mistakes. Uh, just the person has left and there's other people. I mean, there's a lot of consequences that can take place. Um, the police officers just have to make sure they do their due diligence and make sure they are respectful of any potential deviations in their instructions. Mm-hmm. They have to be aware of it. And that's what a mature officer needs to do. So those type of things are generally handled by mature officers, not by the line officers that are you know in the street. They're handled by detective bureaus, and they're handled by SWAT, and they're handled by, by people that have done it before. So they know what they're doing. But unfortunately, you know, things do go wrong. Now, how can we retain, what are some of your ideas on how you can retain those more seasoned officers? What would you be asking for from other elected officials that are responsible for funding? Do you need to, what are some of your thoughts that we can retain those seasoned officers who have that experience, that instinct that only comes We need to make the job fun again for one thing. We need to make it where it's, they're not just afraid to come out of their car, not afraid to come out of their offices. Right now, you know, the highlight is on the negativity, you know, the, the George Floyd situations, Rodney King situations. Those, those are the things that people are focused on right now. We need, to, we need to have the officers back, like I said, so that they know that they can do their job and not be, you know, faulted for doing their job correctly. Because officers doing their job correctly are being faulted. 
Okay, we need to get new officers. And my my tool for replenishing the the force right now is lateral transfers. There's a lot of good officers that have been released from other departments because of the vaccine mandate. So that that was going to be my first thing is removing all mandates from the police department. Thank goodness um, they've seen the light and have removed them now. So we get the we get those officers that have been released and we hire them on our department. They've already been trained. So it'll, it's less expensive to hire these guys. They're already, they're already through the experience part. So it's just a matter of getting them trained with Nevada law and Nevada um, community and concepts like that. We can get, we can get our ranks <clears throat> replenished pretty quickly through lateral transfers. And, and like I said, if we can show the, these guys that the job is fun again, it's something that serving the community is a, is a blessing, not a curse. I think we can. Yeah. Uh, I think we can get. We can get those ranks right back up and get those officers trained. Okay. Well, how would people follow your campaign? Help with your campaign? How can they know more about Mr. Stan Height? I have a website. It's stanheightforsheriff.com. My last name is just three letters: H Y T. So Stan Height for spelled out F O R sheriff.com. That's my website. You can explore. Uh, what I'm about. If you like what I'm about, um, give me a call, give me an email, um, give me a text, whatever way you want to communicate with me. I, I would love to have you as far as a, an assistant, a volunteer, in any way you want. If you just want questions asked, uh, answered, give me a call. Um, I have business cards with my phone number. I'm not, I'm not shy to hand out my, my phone number. It's uh, 702-689- Two seven eight nine. That's my phone number, and give me a call. You won't get a secretary; you'll get me. All right, and that's what the voters need to be able to reach out and touch those that want to be their sheriff and those that want to be their mayor or be their governor. So I really appreciate you having an open approach to those potential voters. Absolutely, Shannon. Thank you for allowing me to introduce my campaign. Thank you so much for participating and being here on the Conservatively Shannon Show. As the campaign goes on, we definitely would like to invite you back as the election season heats up. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I do appreciate you uh, including me.